Dear Heavenly Father, at the close of one year and the beginning of another, we ask you to keep us faithful always to your holy word. Bless that word to our hearts this evening and every evening and every day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may recall the name, some of you might recall the name Donald Rumsfeld. He held many positions, high positions in government. And um, he was, among other things, the Secretary of Defense under George W. Bush. And uh, Donald Rumsfeld was giving a press briefing one day about military planning. I think this was in 2002. We were engaged in Afghanistan and getting ready to go into Iraq. And um, he talked about military planning in this way. He said, number one, he said there are known knowns, okay? Known knowns are simply things that we know and we're aware that we know them. Secondly, he said, there are known unknowns. Known unknowns are things that we are not aware of, we, we don't know, but we need to know that we don't know those things. That figures into our planning. For example, how many weapons of mass destruction were in Iraq? We did not know. And so our military planners had to take that into account in their planning for invasion. You know, if he had an atom bomb, uh, he could always set it off, right? So you have to plan for this. Or um, poison gas, you have to plan for that. You have to plan for the known unknowns. Thirdly, and finally, there are the unknown unknowns. And these things, are we're so completely unaware of them, they're not even on our radar. And so if and when they occur, they just sort of jump out of nowhere and bite you in the rear end. And, and, and these unknown unknowns are the most dangerous things of all. But the unknown unknowns, we don't have to worry about tonight. Our gospel lesson's not about that. Tonight we're concerned with the known knowns and with the known unknowns because those two realities are addressed in the gospel reading this evening. Or in simple English, finally, we're concerned with what God has told us concerning the return of the Lord and what he has not told us concerning the Lord's return. So this evening, at the end of 2021 and at the dawn of 2022, we consider the return of the Lord and the two things we must know. We must know, we must be aware of what we already know, and we must know, we must be aware of what we do not know. Because both are necessary for our salvation. So Roman number one, on your outline, page nine, we watch for Christ's return because of what we know. Because of what we know. And this is the known known. Letter A, we wait for the master who makes himself our slave. That's the center of the gospel reading. He makes himself our slave. This is the ultimate role reversal, and the Lord is always doing this. Um, I think of the Magnificat, where, uh, where uh, Mary uh, sings about the Lord who brings down the mighty from their thrones and lifts up the lowly, right? Well, the Lord himself, <laughs> sitting on the throne of thrones, 
brings himself down all the way to us to serve sinful people who couldn't care less. Look how many people are here tonight and how many aren't. We couldn't care less. And yet he comes and he serves. And then John 13, he washes his disciples' feet. He serves the unworthy. And the disciples saying, no, wait a minute, we should wash your feet. And he says, no, no, no. If I don't wash you, you have no part in me. His service is that important. It's that necessary for us. Point number two, he serves us yesterday, today, and on the last day. He's always doing this. Verse 37b, truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table. This is the, the, the end time banquet on the last day and will come and wait on them. That may strike us as strange, but if we know the scriptures, it should not strike us as strange at all. Uh, Psalm 23, verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You know, that's service. That's what the Lord has been doing from the Garden of Eden on, providing for his people. Matthew 22, the parable of the wedding banquet. You know, the, the master, the Lord, prepares this great banquet, and, and no one's interested in coming. They have other things to do. Well, I got family business, or oh, I have to attend to, to my work. You know, I've got to try out this new yoke of oxen, like he couldn't do it later. But these are the excuses we have for ignoring the Lord and his word. And yet the Lord will not be dissuaded. He says, go out into the hedges, out into the byways, and compel them to come in. You know, there will be recipients for what I have to give. He is a giver, if nothing else, and he will give. In Matthew 26, the Lord's Supper, again, he's the host He's the meal. He's everything. And in Luke 22, what did Jesus say? He said, I'm among you as one who serves, you know. Uh, the Gentile leaders lord it over you, but I'm among you as one who serves. And the point is simply this. We are so lost, we are so needy apart from the Lord, that unless he comes down and acts in this extreme fashion, we would remain lost. That's how much we require what he has to give. He comes all the way down to us. We love, by the way, we love because he first loved us. There's no other reason to love him. Luther would say uh, quite correctly, I would hate God if I saw him only as the judge that the world portrays him as. But he reveals himself to us in Holy Scripture as the servant of all, the servant of the unworthy. I could imagine serving somebody who deserves it, but to serve those who don't, now that is love. That is commitment. That is our Lord. It's pure gospel. So let it be. As a result, we wait expectantly. We wait expectantly for the Lord's return. Verse 36, like servants waiting for their master to return. That word waiting for in the Greek uh, can be translated, I think it should be translated, expecting. An expectation is a strong belief that something's going to happen and you plan your life accordingly. That's an expectation. 
we, we speak of, uh, of a woman expecting a child or a couple expecting a child, right? And what do people do if they're expecting a child? They don't just sit on their hands. <laughs> no, they, they, they reorient their lives around the child. That's what the couple does. You know, uh, they, they may eat differently than they did before. They may drink differently than they did before. There may be certain activities they no longer participate in because they're expecting a child, you see. Their, their spending habits may change. Their priorities will probably change or should. Why? Because of the expectation, a strong belief that something's gonna happen. So they reorient their lives around this new reality, this new revelation we wait expectantly for the, Lord, for the Lord's return. And point number one, we wait actively. We wait actively. It's, this is not passive waiting. You know, we, we wait actively. Uh, verse 35, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. We'll say more about that later. In other words, active waiting is remaining at your post. <laughs> you know, um, for example, if, if you're married, don't seek to be unmarried. If you're a parent, continue to parent, no matter how difficult the child may be. That's your calling. The Lord posted you there. That's active waiting. Be the best employee you can, the best boss you can, the best teacher, the best student. We do it as to the Lord. That's the gospel orientation that we have. We see the Lord himself behind these individuals who need what we have to give. They need what we have to give. We work as to the Lord. And number two, we accommodate our lives to his imminent return. We accommodate our lives to his imminent return. Imminent means at any moment. It's gonna happen anytime. When I was younger, I, living on the south end of Lafayette, uh, for the sake of the environment back then and, and also because it was a little cheaper, I would often take the bus to work downtown or, or if I had classes at Purdue, I would often take the bus and that bus stop was only, I don't know, 90 or 100 feet from my front door. Um, but when you take the bus, you reorient your life around the schedule of the bus, okay? <laughs> you know, you have to know when it leaves, when it departs, you know, when it arrives, and so on. You, you, you build your life around that schedule of the bus. It's like that in Europe, you know, getting around Europe, you take, take a train. There's trains everywhere, you know, and at least in Northern Europe, I haven't been to Southern Europe, but Northern Europe, they run on time. And you, you reorient your life around the, the train schedule. My friends, what you are willing to wait for reveals what you value. What you're willing to wait for reveals what you value. So point number one, we watch for Christ's return because of what we know. We have a loving Lord who's coming back. And when he comes back, he will do what he's been doing all along. He will serve us. 
shouldn't come as a surprise. But point number two, we watch because of what we do not know. That's, that's the known unknown, <laughs> okay? That's Rumsfeldian language. We watch because of what we do not know. Jesus said in Matthew 25, watch therefore because you do not know the day or the hour. You don't know it. By the way, what would happen if Jesus announced the day and the hour of his return? How would people behave? You think it's bad now? You know, I just, I mean, just think about it, <laughs> okay? If, if he's not going to come back until 2035, on November 1st, okay, that's All Saints Day, that's a good day to come back. Uh, 2035, what are people gonna do today? You know, all hell breaks loose, right? I mean, you know what? I, hey, I've, I've got a free ticket to sin as I want until his return. I can always repent later. I was talking to someone recently about coming back to church and, and they said, you know, at the first of the year, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be back. I'm gonna start the first of the year. And I didn't, it's probably a good thing I didn't think of it at the time, but I thought of it later. Repentance delayed is a lack of repentance now. Am I wrong? I don't think so. I've thought about this a lot. To delay repentance is to be impenitent today. Well, if Jesus let us know the day and hour of his return, I think all of us would start repenting later. We would be tempted to just repent later. But no, that's not the Lord. He loves us too much to leave us in our sin. But that doesn't stop us, letter A, from pretending to know what we do not know. Point number one, only hypocrites pretend to know the hour of his return <laughs> for the reasons just stated. And number two, we ourselves, we admit Jesus is returning, but we assume it won't be today. It surely won't be today. So we indulge the flesh, we sow our wild oats, and we gamble with our lives today. We gamble with our lives today. Oh, we make orthodox statements like, I believe that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. But our hearts are far from him. And if that's the case, if that describes you, and it may, it's described me at times, the one word, repent. Repent. What you wait for reveals what you value. And what you neglect to wait for reveals what you do not value. Are you waiting merely for another opportunity to sin? Or are you waiting for the Lord? It cannot be both. Verse 37b, again, I'll come back to that. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at table, and will come and wait on them. No one else loves you that way, and no one else will. Remember that. Verse 35 again. Um, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. That recalls the Exodus. It, it, it recalls the Passover, actually. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, 
uh, the Israelites were to have their loins girded, their, their long skirts, and even the men wore skirts, okay? And they would hike them up and strap a belt on so they could walk fast or run, get out of Egypt, right? And so they ate the Passover meal that way, ready to leave, ready to leave. So this language here recalls the Exodus. And by the way, the Passover occurred at night. The angel of the Lord passed over the Israelite homes. He entered the homes of the Egyptians and slayed all the firstborn. We've talked about that before. The point is, it occurred at night. And then I remembered the crossing of the Red Sea. When did that occur? It occurred at night. By morning, you could see the dead Egyptians floating on the water. The resurrection of our Lord, when did that occur? At night, yeah, it occurred at night. You see a pattern there? You know, the Lord's saving work seems to occur at night, and his return is part of his saving work. That's the conclusion of it, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. And, and notice how he speaks of it. Uh, verse 38, it will be good for those servants when his master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. Toward daybreak. It's like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's at night. It's when you don't expect it. <laughs> Point B, readiness. Readiness involves knowing what we do not know. It's being aware of what we do not know. We, we must always, we must go throughout the day knowing what we know, that he's coming back to serve us as he's serving us all, all the time. And we must always be aware of what we do not know, the day, the hour of his coming. Verse 40, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him, probably at night, <laughs> I mean, I, I would vote for that. Jesus readies us for his return by reminding us always to be aware of what we know concerning him, that good news, it strengthens our faith, and he reminds us always to be aware of what we do not know, the day and the hour of his coming, because that curbs our sinful behavior. We need both, right? We need to strengthen the new man that lives in you, Christ living in you, is strengthened through the gospel. And the old man still living in you and in me needs to be pummeled down by the law, curbed, restrained by the law, by the warning. You know neither the day nor the hour. Both words, law, gospel, both are necessary for our salvation and our preparation for his coming. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, amen.